Good evening. Praise the Lord. Well, we're glad you're back. It's a beautiful day, beautiful night, beautiful time to come into the house of the Lord and worship, celebrate Jesus, study his word. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand this evening? Let's just open our service with the word of praise and worship. Thanksgiving to the Lord. And we're going to sing some songs of worship in a minute, but let's, let's just express in our own words. Can we do that real quick? Let's just tell him how much we love him. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you this evening. Lord, we, we love you so much because you first loved us. Lord, your word says that no greater love than to give your life for your friends, Lord. And Lord, even while we were sinners, you loved us so much. You gave your life for us. And we're so thankful for that. Lord, we just, all we can do is just love you back with everything that we have. And Lord, tonight I pray that's our desire just to love you, just to worship you, just to glorify you, God, for all that you've done for us, for everything that you do for us every day, Lord. We praise you. And Lord, we invite you tonight to come and just move and stir within us, Lord, to just bless us, Lord, to minister, Lord, even to, to, to correct and rebuke us tonight, Lord, for things that we need correction on, Lord. But we praise you tonight, and we give you glory for all that you do in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
Jesus. May our praises reach heaven, God, to where you hear us, God. Father, tonight we ask for your grace and your mercy to just flow like rivers of living water through this sanctuary, God. Father, just give us a fresh touch tonight, Father, as we praise and seek your name, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We will lift our eyes. We won't fear the fight. There is one who's stronger. Heart pressed on each side. We will not lose sight of the one who's greater. One name. I like the part that says it's the voice, one voice, one voice that silences the enemy. 
Father, we call out your name tonight to every enemy, God. We call out the name of Jesus. You are refuge and our strong tower, God. Father, we thank you tonight that you go before us, that you walk behind us, God. You surround us, Father, with your presence, God. Just the name of Jesus. And this powerful power in your name, God. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, Dennis. Go ahead, guys. Jesus Christ, my King. 
deserving and worthy to receive thank you father what's heaven going to be like when we worship with every tribe and tongue of the world the people all over this planet through the years the centuries have been washed in the blood of jesus their life rescued and we are at home with you forever lord what's what's it going to be like to lift our voice in praise thank you for giving us a little taste right here tonight thank you lord Thank you, Lord, for pulling us into your glory and letting us experience that your name is truly wonderful and beautiful and mighty, mighty and powerful, Lord. Your name is so worthy of that worship that could come from our lips and from our heart. And may our lives, may our lives as our words have tonight, may our lives all week long bring you honor and praise and glory. May we say with our living and our choices, Lord, what we choose to do and what we abstain from, Lord. May, may, may our life say what the words of our song were tonight in the way we live, Lord. For you deserve to be glorified and worshiped in the beauty of holiness, in the beauty, Lord, of a relationship that, that isn't up and down, but it's strong every day of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to experience your love and your presence and your power in this worship service tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you're our Prince of Peace, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I want to speak one word about depression. If, if you have experienced or do experience depression or you know somebody who experiences depression, let, let's put into practice our faith that God is even able to heal depression. Yes. That, that it's, it's a... It's, it's, a, it's kind of a sadness of the soul or something. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's really hard to describe. And I don't, I don't, in, I don't intend to try to, to, to give you a prescription, just that the name of Jesus. Let's speak yeah. the name of Jesus over our, over our depression, yeah. over our loved one's depression. Yeah. Right, right here tonight, Lord, we just, we just know we just take a stand. In, in the name of the powerful name of Jesus, we take a stand to not let depression overtake us. Lord, to not let it, uh, not, not let us... 
not let us give into it, Lord, when a loved one or a friend is suffering it, Lord, we just believe that, that you will keep us keenly aware and, and alive with, with the powerful faith that speaks into a situation where de- depression is, is hanging, putting a stranglehold on somebody's joy and somebody's hope, and it's trying to steal from them what you've already given us, Lord, what is already ours. And I just ask you, Lord, to, to let the name of Jesus be spoken out of our minds and our life and our soul and our heart. And may we never become gloomy and despair and sickened, Lord, with, 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 a, with a depression that won't go away, Lord. We, we just pray, pray that in the powerful name of Jesus, you'll show us the way forward. You'll show us, Lord. You'll show us how to, how to get back in the sunshine of your hope and of your grace and of your provision for us. We believe we have victory over depression. And everybody says that is true. Say amen. Amen. We believe we have victory over depression. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Praise the Lord. I had that, that for for the last two days, I felt like I was supposed to pray that that prayer with you tonight. Sometimes depression is not something you tell anybody about. You just kind of suffer it in silence. But don't suffer it in silence without Jesus. Amen? No, Jesus is bigger. Jesus is greater. He's stronger. Amen. Amen. I can do all things through strength, through Christ who strengthens me, the Apostle Paul said. And one of them is I can overcome depression and gloom and despair. That song written on Hee Haw, that wasn't for us. Amen? (laughs) Gloom, despair, and agony on me? No, no, no. Jesus, Savior and King. That's who that's who has control of my heart. Amen. Ushers worship. Let's worship the Lord with the giving of our tithe and offering. Thank you, gentlemen, for being faithful servants to uh, not only uh, uh, receive the offering and do what you do in church here, but you give uh, more than that. And I appreciate your volunteerism very, very, very much. Thank you, Lord, for a congregation of people that are enthusiastic about the work of the kingdom of God. And part of our volunteerism, part of what we get to do, Lord, is to, to bless the work of, uh, of the ministry of this church and, and beyond with, with the offerings that you inspire us and put in our hearts to give. So I pray your blessing, Lord, on, on everything received and every giver who gives it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, there's one more prayer to pray as a church. We're going to pray as we have diligently been praying uh, that God leads us to the selection, uh, to the receiving of a ministry that the Lord brings here to be our pastor. Do, Do any of you remember some really good days of Lone Grove Assembly of God. I mean, do you, do you, is there in the back of your mind something that this, this was a really blessed season or this was a really blessed time in our life? 
And, and do you ever think about wanting to go back and, and it be that good again? That was God that was doing that. And God's still alive and well. Amen. You have every hope to, to have that again and, and exceedingly abundantly beyond it. Amen. Don't set low goals for your church. Set lofty goals for your church because God is for the church. Amen. He's for this church. He wants every church to succeed and every church to be blessed. And he's got leaders. You know, there's a, there's a new kind of news breaking in Oklahoma that at youth camps, hundreds of students are being called into the ministry. And, and they just had a, a, a camp just for those people who were called to the ministry. And I believe the number was 180 kids came that had been called to the ministry. And they, they, even in their youth, they're being trained up for the ministry ahead of them. And that's a really, a really, really exciting report. Amen. I, I've, heard, I've heard reports of, people, of ministers that, 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 that left the ministry during the COVID. It was, it was certainly an attack, an assault on the church. Uh, but uh, we don't have to be worried about that because God's calling people. God, God, God is able to restore even those that, that left the ministry temporarily and that the Lord will, 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 he will, he will provide leadership for his church. So I'm trying to say, amen. Lord, we believe with all our heart that you provide leadership for every church who looks to you and waits on you and trusts in you and then goes the direction you send them. Lord, we want to do our part. Help us do our part, Lord, in, in making the selection. What, whatever is up to us, Lord, give us the enabling, the anointing, and, and the direction to do it well and to do it exactly as you say, Lord, because we want exactly the leader and the leadership and the, and the pastoral care and, and all of the things that, that are provided by the, the one you bring to be our pastor. Lord, we put it in your hands. We want everything. We, we want to see better than the good old days. We, we want to see revival, uh, Lord, that, that just stirs this community. We, we want to see a move of God. We want to see salvations and healings. And Lord, we, we want to see you at work in all of our lives, not just our new pastor, but all of our lives. Lord, we, we step up to you tonight and say, Lord, have your will and have your way in bringing the pastor that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe he's going to do it. I believe God's going to answer. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't tell us to pray and ask and, and then tell us you'll receive and then turn it down. He, he, he wants you to know asking is receiving. You're going to receive and seek and you'll find knocking the door will be open to you. Keep praying. Keep praying. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about something tonight that uh, I, it's, it's this answer to this question. Why we volunteer? Why, why do we volunteer? Uh, Barnabas is a person in the New Testament that just speaks to me as, as being and an, such an inspiring example of what a volunteer is in the church. And, and, and I, I believe that every Christian immediately becomes a volunteer. We, we, uh, we volunteered to the Lord for him to save us. We volunteered for him to be Lord of our life. That means we're going to continue volunteering. Uh, we're going to volunteer to whatever he asks us to be. Uh, the greatest things that are ever done in the world, the, the, the most significant changes that are brought about, accomplishments that are done, are not done because somebody was paid to do something. 
or, or because they, they had to do it, but because they volunteered to do it, that God put it in their heart and they pursued it with a passion and they were enthusiastic about volunteering, that the New Testament church, everything about it was volunteerism. They, they volunteered to lay down their lives. They, they volunteered to be martyrs. They, they, they would put no limit on their volunteerism. They, they gathered after, on the day of Pentecost and, and the Lord baptized them in the Holy Spirit and the church began to explode with growth and people being saved. And all, all these people became volunteers. We see the picture of, of Barnabas in Acts, the fourth chapter, the ninth chapter, and the eleventh chapter. I'll just, I'm going to read, a, and it'll be on the screen for you, I think, the, uh, the verses that I'm going to read. This is New Living Translation. And it says that in verse 34 of, of Acts 4, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land and ha houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Now, I take that as, as those who had extra houses and extra land that they weren't having to live in. I mean, you don't, I don't think the Lord asked you to become destitute and you're living on the street because you sold your house and, and gave to the church. If the Lord asked you that, that's, that's a volunteerism matter that you can take up with the Lord and, and, and follow his leading. But I, I see that as, as, as Barnabas probably had his own place to live, but he probably had some more, some more places and, and he set an example of generosity and, and just a commitment to the growth of the church and, and the disciple-making process. We've got so much to do that he became a, a generous volunteer of giving. He was from the island of Cyprus himself. And here he was in, in the Jerusalem area, and, and God was using him mightily to encourage people. In, in fact, it says uh, in verse 36, uh, uh, for instance, there was Joseph, one of the apostles named Barnabas. This is him, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and he came from the island of Cyprus and he sold a field and he, that he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Uh, th there are always great results from great re volunteerism. Uh, what, would, what were the results of, of, of Barnabas doing this? I think others joined him in doing what he did. Uh, and I think many of these new disciples felt loved by, by the generosity of their brothers and sisters in Christ. They felt embraced by the church. They, uh, no, no doubt that, 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 that many of them experienced a miraculous provision from God because uh, maybe they had to give up their job. Uh, may, they, they had to, they had to be, become persecuted by the, by the Jews who didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. And the, a lot of these were probably Jewish people that were getting saved. And... Uh, but, but they, they were welcomed into a family because of people like they, maybe that were following the example of Barnabas. You know, you, volunteerism is a great example to set. I've been inspired a lot of times in my ministry by people who volunteered, who volunteered in the church. I was probably was taught in Sunday school and VBS and all those things growing up by people who were volunteering. People who were just wanting to pass along what they knew about Jesus and, and handed it to a boy. I've got one lady in the church up there where I pastored for 32 years, and her name is Maxine. And uh, we were visiting one day, and she told me that she and her husband, Daryl, lived in Cushing, Oklahoma. And I said, what year did you live in Cushing, Oklahoma? Because I was born in Cushing, Oklahoma. And uh, I was born in 1952. And, and uh, she said, well, it was about 1956, uh, 55, 56, 57, 58. She said, I was the teacher of the four-year-old boys class. I said, isn't that something? 
I was a four-year-old boy at Cushing Assembly of God that you're talking about at the same time you're telling me you were the teacher of the, uh, of the four-year-old boys class. So you th I, I just gave her a hug and said, you're my Sunday school teacher. You're one of them people that taught me to love Jesus before I even really knew to ask him as my, to be my Savior. And I, 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 we ought to be inspired and follow the example, be inspired to follow the example because people have, have really paved the way, like, like Barnabas paved the way. Paved away. I'm sure he inspired a lot of these new believers. Hey, that this isn't a, a hopeless life. This is a life filled with hope every day. And I'm going to get in on it. Uh, the ninth chapter gives, gives another example of Barnabas. It says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem. Now Saul, he, he, this is right after his conversion. And he's, he comes into the city of Jerusalem. And he tried to meet with the believers, which would be Peter, Paul, and, and uh, uh, John, and James, not Paul. Paul is the one, Peter and James and John and, and the other disciples. It's, but look what, what it says about that. They, they were afraid of him. Uh, they did not believe he had truly become a believer. So, uh, so the apostle, they didn't know he was going to become one of the greatest apostles in the New Testament. Mildly, mildly used of God. But they were, they were wanting to close him out. Hey, no, <laughs> I, you know, we've got to. We've heard who you are and what you are, and you stay on the outside. We're not, we're not taking a chance on you. That, that's kind of the position they had. But look what happened. Barnabas, then Barnabas brought him to the apostles. Barnabas they had, they had trust in. And here comes Barnabas with somebody by his side, and then he introduces him as Saul of Tarsus. And uh, it says, uh, he told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus, told him about his conversion experience, Barnabas did, and how the Lord had spoken to Saul about, uh, I'm going to use you to, and, and you're going to be, uh, you're gonna, I'm going to show you what you must suffer while you're taking the gospel to the, to the Gentiles. And, and, and then it says he also, this Barnabas also told those disciples that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So here's what resulted from his volunteerism to, to go introduce Saul uh, was Saul became included and God was able to anoint him and, and, and the, the church exploded because Saul and Barnabas went out on missionary journeys together. I mean, it was, it was the beginning of, of great, great years for the church because Barnabas was, was willing to use his volunteerism, use his influence to go impress upon these people. Let, let's give this guy a chance. This sounds like a story that, that, that really God's all over it. God's right in the middle of it. And he testified and he won. And praise God he did. That way we've got the book of Romans and First and Second Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and on and on. All those books that God used the Apostle Paul to write to us and disciple us. Man, I'm glad we've got the, all those books. The book of Romans. I, I could get distracted here. Acts, the 11th chapter, verses 20 through 26. Another instance of, of uh, Barnabas being a volunteer. However, some of the believers went to Antioch. Now, that's where they went. They went from Cyrus and Cyrene, and they began preaching to the disciples in Antioch about the Lord Jesus. This was different for the church. They, they had preached the gospel as Jesus had taught them to the Jew first. He didn't say to the Jew first and last and only, 
But he, he prioritized his ministry. He was called to be, to be a minister to the Jews, and, and, he, and he targeted that. But here now, now the church is being led by the Holy Spirit beyond the, the, the parameters of just Jewish uh, communities, but to reach Gentile people. Thank God he did. Thank God, because we were on the outside waiting and needing, needing light to be brought to us. Amen. So now they've started a church at Antioch and the power of the Lord was with them. Verse 21 says, and a large number of Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. That's the first report of that. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, what'd they do? How about we send Barnabas down there to be the pastor of that church? Hey, I sense that the Lord wills this encourager, this man that's such an encourager who, who inspired us back when, we were, when we, we were brand new and just on the other side of Pentecost and all these people were being saved. And he, he showed us how to, be, how to trust the Lord with generosity. And he, he showed us how to trust the Lord with, uh, with, with risking, uh, you know, uh, endorsing the ministry of somebody like Saul of Tarsus. Let, let's, send a, let's send Barnabas down there and see what God does through him. Well, it says that... Uh, uh, when the church in Jerusalem heard that they sent Bartimaeus to Antioch, and when he arrived, he saw, he saw this evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy, and he was encouraging. Uh, he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. I can see him doing that, can't you? Because he's a volunteer. He's just, his volunteerism now say, hey, trust the Lord with what he's done in your life. This is just the beginning. Go, go, go all the way with God. And, and no doubt he inspired them to be volunteers as well. And it says that, uh, verse 24, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. No, that's, I think that's a verse that's just literally saying the fruit of his labor, the fruit of his volunteers and brought many people into the kingdom of God, influenced many people that I want to be a Christian too. I want, I want what, what that man has. I want that, that spirit of God in my heart that I see working through the volunteer named Barnabas. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul and he found him and he brought him back uh, to Antioch. So Saul of Tarsus became his, his, uh, uh, associate pastor there in, in Antioch. And it says both of them stayed there in the church for a full year teaching large crowds of people. And they, and no doubt they were just volunteering. They, they were volunteering what this overflow that got, you know, Paul, Paul said throughout his ministry, he, he was turning down support. He didn't ask, he wouldn't ask churches to support him. He was a tent maker and he, he worked hard on the, uh, to, on the side to support himself. He was an, he was an evangelist. And it says, uh, this is an interesting uh, point that it closes with right there in that verse. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. It was in Antioch that we got our identity as Christ, Christians, people who follow Christ, people who, uh, who are, are, are touched by his power in our life. Uh, it's just true that everything that, that, that is of great, great value comes about by somebody volunteering. Uh, God is the greatest volunteer ever. Yes. He volunteered to make this universe. He volunteered to make every th all the day, all that he made on, on the six days of creation. And he, and he volunteered to make us in his own image and breathe into us the breath of life. And on and on and on the story goes. God is a volunteer. So if you're going to be Christ-like, your volunteerism is just going to, it's going to be enthusiastic and enjoyable for you because you, you love doing it. It's part of, it's part of what you do to, to follow Christ. 
I'd love to sit down together and, and just hear you talk about volunteerism. I, I'd, love to see, I'd love to hear your hopes and dreams for your church. I'd, I'd love to see you talking to each other, sharing those things, and talk about your volunteer roles in the church. Not, not only what you do, but, but I'd I, I just love to get in the conversation. I've, I've done this with other people, and it, it's always so interesting to hear what they say when they're talking about not only what they do in volunteerism, but, but why they do it and, and how good it feels to do it, and, how, and especially how good it feels when you see results come out of your volunteerism. It, it, it's, the, it's the untapped... Uh, mighty, mighty resource in, in most churches uh, uh, to, to find out how far volunteerism will, will go, what, what it will do to, to shake a community. All you have to do is be willing, be willing to, to go out there and do it. Um, I, I guess I said all that to say this. Volunteerism is here to stay. It, it's not new. It's been here since the beginning of the church. It'll always be here. And, and I just I, I just bless you for all the volunteerism that all of you do, because I believe that, like I said, well, I go every Christian becomes a volunteer. And I, I believe everybody in the church volunteers somewhere. Your, your volunteerism may be uh, to to sing and enthusiastically during worship services, you're, you're volunteering your praise to the Lord. You're volunteering to the church, having a worship experience that is that, that is true by, by, by doing it with a sincere heart and, and not for some, some wrong motive. Volunteerism comes in every form and fashion in the church, and most of it isn't recognized by somebody else and not patted on the back for it, but you just keep doing it. You just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. You know, Maxine that I was talking to you about, I got to know her when she was in her 70s. She's up in her 80s now, and uh, she only quit working in, in the nursery holding the babies because of, of her health declining to the point she couldn't pick them up. And uh, she did it as long as she had strength to do it. And, and, and because she, she'd still be doing it right now at the age she is, if she had the, the physical capacity to do it, to work with girls ministry and in the nursery, she used to come up during the week and help with Mother's Day out and just, just volunteer and help them out because she loved, she loved just letting this volunteerism flow with her. It's a lifetime thing for you. Don't, don't think that it's going to be short-lived. Be a volunteer for Jesus the rest of your life, enjoying, enjoying the fruit that comes out of it. Board members, I've worked, so I looked around, I saw a couple of board members as I, I was glancing right then. I, I've, I've been blessed during the years of my ministry by people who volunteered. They, they gave volunteer hours. They gave volunteer stress to, to help solve the, the, the problems of the church. They were a gift from the congregation to me as the pastor to help me solve the problems of the church, just like happened in, in Acts, the sixth chapter. That's what deacons were chosen to do so that you can keep praying and, and coming up with these messages you're giving and God, doing what God called you to do. You, you leave these tasks up to us. We'll take care of those widows and those that are being uh, overlooked and we'll, we'll take care of these tasks. But deacons are some of the greatest volunteers that, that, that I've been blessed with over the years of ministry. I, I love this subject. I, I hope I don't preach to you an hour and a half. I don't think I will. Uh, volunteerism is here to stay. Let's share our excitement and our enthusiasm about giving our time and our talent and our, and our resources and, and, and everything that we, are, that we have to, for the Lord to use it. Lord, use what I have and use what you can get out of me. Uh, I think that the answer to the question, I just tried to start at the very core of the answer. Why do we volunteer? 
I think it comes down to this one thing. We volunteer because we have experienced salvation in Christ. Because we have been given the gift that is so great, we can't even describe it. Because we have, uh, we are, because we have experienced this gift by grace, he, he gave it to us freely. Just like he said to us, freely you've received, freely give. And, and this volunteerism, it just, it comes to us by knowing what a sacrifice Jesus volunteered when he went to the cross to spill his blood and, and what, what he's done to sustain the church and what he's done to, to bring me in it and what he's done to fill me with his spirit and, and, uh, and to give me a future that's not just as long as I live in this body, but a future that, that goes on into the endless ages of eternity. Wow, having received such a gift, I've got to give something back. I got to pour something back out to God. I got to, I got to let my, my, my enthusiasm be uncontained. I, I, this, this that I have received is, is beyond description. I believe that's what caused, uh, the, the Saul of Tarsus to, to be willing to sacrifice his life from the very beginning. Persecuted, beaten, left for dead. He got right up and he went on again. Because of how powerful the salvation. He realized as a Pharisee, he thought he was right. He thought, sure, just like all the other Pharisees, this guy was a heretic and we need, we need to shut people up that are preaching in his name. So he was going around killing Christians and getting permission to bring them back and put them in jail. And that's when the Lord knocked him off his horse and saved his soul, changed his whole life and called him into the ministry. And he, he said, wow, if you hadn't done that, I would have went to hell. Uh, keeping every one of those 613 laws that we had a strand on our coat, uh, on our clothes to, to represent. I was diligent about that. I thought I was the most spiritual person. That I was raised, uh, taught by Gamaliel. I thought I was really on, oh, I was right on spot. No, I was way off. And the Lord rescued me and he saved me. And he wrote us, he wrote to us the book of Romans. It's, it's the gospel according to Paul. He taught us so much from the Old Testament and from inspiration from the Spirit, so much about our salvation that really the Lord could have taken care of and taught it himself. But he had another message to, 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 to preach in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He knew that he was going to raise up Saul and, and, and he would be the Apostle Paul. And he would teach us what he taught us so much that we needed in, in the book of Romans. Well, um, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to experience Christ our Savior and experience this free gift of salvation. What, what did you pay to be saved? What did it cost you? It, it, was, it was free. It was bought at Christ's expense. And, and like Paul said when he was talking to the Philippians, he's, I, I believe it was the Philippians. Uh, anyway, he's, he's talking about continuing the sacrifice of Christ to, to bring you the gospel. In other words, what he was saying was Jesus sacrificed to, to make sal salvation available, but a lot of, more of us are, are making sacrifices to, to bring the message to you. In spite of persecution, we're, we're laying down our lives to bring the message to you, and it's worth it for you to, because I'm, I'm glad to be a partner with Christ in his suffering, he said. Now, now that's saying something, but, but he was so enthused because of, of what salvation had done for him. This gift of salvation, it transcends our ability to comprehend it. It's too great for anyone to miss. So that means we've got to try to take, take this message to them. We've got to be compelled to do it. So, uh, so I want to show you. Uh, we'll look at Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. 
In the New Living Translation, it says it differently than the way I learned it as I was growing up in the King James Version. In the, in the King James Version, I saw this, these words, or I, was, I heard in preaching, and, I, and, I, and I, my parents said these words to me, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's, that's the scripture I'm talking about. That's the New King James Version. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. For it's God working in you. Let, let, let what God is doing work out in you. And this is the way the New Living Translation says it. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to let the results, the, 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 what, what salvation produced in you, what, what salvation changed about your life. Work hard to let it show, let show the results of your salvation, obeying God with reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases Him. That, that is a scripture that describes why we volunteer. Because God did such an amazing works in our salvation. Salvation. Charles Spurgeon wrote this, uh, these, a couple of paragraphs that I, I've put them in my notes word for word to read them to you. That's very unusual for, for me to pick a, a communication style like that. But these words, I just couldn't restate them in the, the, the powerful way that they're stated. But it's talking about, it's talking about our salvation. And he, and he, uh, he uses, he, he's given a little devotion uh, in uh, Jonah, the second chapter, verse 9. Well, all of the second chapter of Jonah, if you get, want to get your Bible out and you, and, and you, have, uh, you have it available, maybe it's on your phone or whatever, uh, come back to me when you get through getting distracted. But, but go, go to Jonah if you want to and look at verse chapter 2 sometime. And it says that, the, that Jonah is praying from the belly of a, of a fish. This is the prayer that he prayed from the belly of a fish. That's a really unusual scripture, isn't it? Have you ever heard anybody that, that uh, something quoted that they said that was, uh, they said it while they were in the belly of a fish? <laughs> I have to believe Jonah was the only one ever in the belly of a fish and then bombed it out three days later on the shore and lived to tell about it and, and, and lived to get up and, and clean up. I hope he cleaned up. And he, and he went, to, went, went to Nineveh as he was sent. And he, and he uh, delivered the message God, and they, they, were, they received the message. This, this Gentile, uh, sinful group of people began repenting before God. Yes, they did. Oh, it's powerful. But so he's, one of the things that Jonah says while he's in that prayer, he says in verse 9, salvation is of the Lord. Yes, in other words, he's saying salvation is produced by the Lord. It's given by the Lord. It's it's, it begins with God, it continues with God, and it ends with God. It's everything. Every, salvation is because God is the one doing it. Whew, I needed a salvation that was so big because God himself was the one doing it. He says salvation is the work of God. It is uh, he alone who quickens the soul dead in trespasses and sins. Only God can do that. And it is he also who maintains the soul in its spiritual life. He is both Alpha and Omega. Salvation, like Jonah said, is of the Lord. And, and, and Charles Spurgeon says, if I am prayerful, God makes me prayerful. If I have graces, they are God's gift to me. If I hold on in a consistent life, it's because he upholds me with his hand. I do nothing whatever uh, towards my own preservation except what God himself first does in me. 
He's giving God credit for everything that, that ever happened good in his life as a result of the salvation that we experienced. I think it belongs right where he's putting it, don't you? The credit belongs to God. Whatever I have, all my goodness is of the Lord alone. Wherein I sin, that's my own. But wherein I act rightly, that is God, wholly and completely. If I have repulsed a spiritual enemy, the Lord's strength nerved my arm to do it. Do I live before men a consecrated life? It is not I, but Christ who liveth in me. <laughs> i got to read that one again. Do I live before men a consecrated life? If it Excuse me. It is not I, but it's Christ who's living that consecrated life through me. Am I sanctified? I did not cleanse myself. God's Holy Spirit sanctifies me. Am I weaned from the world? I am weaned by God's chastisements, sanctified to my good. Do I grow in knowledge? The great instructor teaches me. All my jewels were fashioned by heavenly art. I find in God all that I want. But I find in myself nothing but sin and misery. He alone is my rock and my salvation. Do I feed on the word? That word would be no food for me unless the Lord made it food for my soul. And he helped me to feed upon it. Do, do I live on the manna which comes down from heaven? What is that manna? But Jesus Christ himself incarnate, whose body and whose blood I eat and I drink. I am continually receiving fresh, uh, excuse me, am I continually receiving fresh increase of strength? And where do I gather my might? My help comes from heaven, heaven's hills. Without Jesus, I can do nothing. As a branch cannot bring fruit forth fruit except it abide in the vine, no more can I except I abide in him. What Jonah learned in the great deep. Let me learn this morning, Lord, that salvation is of the Lord. That's, that's why I'm preaching on volunteerism, because we've got a salvation in us that originated from God, continued by God. It's going to be finished by God, and we can't take credit for it. Sometimes we think, well, Lord, Lord, you ought to just pat me on the back. I, I haven't sinned. I can't even remember the last time I sinned. Well, it must have been 15 minutes ago at least. But, uh, Lord, you know, somehow, somehow we think we're some kind of gift to God. Like, like we, we're, it's really, he's really blessed to have us. He is blessed to have us, but he knows, he knows that every single bit of what's so glorious about our lives is his work in us, his presence in us. And, and that's what makes us enthusiastic about pouring our lives out, letting our time turn into something that, that led somebody, gave somebody hope, gave somebody a, the name of Jesus. Well, I want you to use that illustration I gave you this morning. I'm not going back and preaching it. Right. Hold, hold, me, hold me back. Marsha, come grab me if I do. That, that, that illustration of, of Jesus on the center cross and a thief on one side that didn't repent and a thief on the other side that did repent. Uh, that's not my illustration. That's God's illustration. When you, when you, when you think... Think of it and you're, you wanted to use it in a, and to share it with somebody, which I hope all of you do dozens and dozens of times. Tell somebody that illustration. T forget about me. Don't remember my name. Don't remember where you heard it. But it is God's illustration. God is the one who put Jesus in between those two thieves. And God is the one who, whose spirit broke through in that guy's heart. And, and, and he, he became a Christian right there on the cross next to Jesus. He would have saved the other one, too, if he, had, if he hadn't been so hard-hearted and stiff-necked. Stiff but use that illustration. And, and our, our, I mean, there's nothing greater than the volunteerism of the good news 
volunteering sharing the good news, volunteering sharing what you know about Jesus, just getting conversation going about the Lord. Let everybody know, I am delighted if, you, if you'd like to have a conversation about Jesus. You can ask me any question about my, the spiritual life that I, I began when I gave my heart to Christ, and, and you can ask me why I do what I do. I, I would love to answer your questions. I would love to talk to you about it. I would love to see you love Jesus as much as I love Jesus. I, I'd love for you to be as sure that he has saved me as I am that he has saved me. Woo. I hope I said that right. I'll close with this. I, the, uh, a guy named Robert Morse, he's a pastor down in the Dallas, Fort Worth area. Spirit-filled and a great, great preacher. Uh, he, he, I heard him say years ago that, uh, that somebody told him there needs to be a, uh, uh, a saying that, that describes the mission of their church. And he said, this is the way he prayed about it, and this is what the Lord gave him. He said, uh, we, we're here to get people saved and healed and set free and discipled and empowered and equipped and serving. That wasn't a cool statement, but it was an accurate statement. It's a scriptural statement. The church is called upon because Christ is in that business of saving people, healing people, setting people free, delivering them from their habits and sins and, and, the, and the enemy's stronghold in their life. The Lord wants them set free and discipled. That, you know, Jesus gave us the words uh, when he gave us the Great Commission, go and make disciples and teach them to obey all these things that I've commanded you. That's making disciples. That's what it is. But we, we are to be disciple makers. We are to be a disciple ourselves. Hopefully somebody has contributed to our discipleship and we've taken it seriously and we, we now are very concerned about our discipleship and, and others' discipleship as well. And so uh, th that's a mission that the Lord is, and He's empowered the church with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He has equipped the church by giving us gifts and enablement so that His work can be done in His power and His grace. He, ga he gave people the gift of, of giving. He gave people the gift of, uh, of hospitality. He gave people the gift uh, of, of, of uh, fellowship and, and just helping people mix with one another. He, there are all kinds of gifts and enablements that the Lord has put within the church. That, that's how we are equipped. Are, are you equipped? It's, it's the pastor's job, and it's a tough, tough job to do it, to, uh, to equip uh, not just the pastor, but all the spiritual leaders of the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You, you do not hire a pastor and bring him here and he does the work of the ministry while you're busy watching TV and, and doing your jobs and making money and paying tithes and all that's great. But don't, don't think that he, you, you hired somebody to come here to do the ministry. He, he came here with an anointing of, of, of God upon his life and, he, and his, his ministry should equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That means you get to go to the hospital too. You get to go pray with a family who's lost a loved one. You get to be involved in every kind of ministry because that, if otherwise we'd be stealing all the fun and all the excitement and all the pleasure. The greatest thing that happens in your life when you led somebody to the Lord and you get to, and, and they receive Christ at your, at your uh, encouragement and you help them pray that prayer and, and they say, yes, I have received Jesus as my Savior. That's something he wants every one of you to experience in your life. 
I, I mean, he wants that. He doesn't hold the ministry uh, only for, for people that are called to ministry. Uh, he, he wants, that kind of was a, a wrong word to use, wasn't it? He doesn't hold the ministry for people he's called to the ministry. That's what I said. I'm sorry about that. He doesn't hold the, the work of ministering to people only for those who have been called uh, to, to be in a leadership role in the church. Right. About why is this person paid and, and why is he the only one paid to do ministry? If, if in fact, we're all going to do ministry? I, I, it's, it's because I, I saw it like this when I started. I quit working on the freight docks and I went to my first role as a youth pastor. And, and they paid me instead of me working on the freight docks while, that I'd done while I was going through college. And my work was for the church uh, to, to do the, the work of the church, to, to make uh, to to make disciples of the church, to do, do everything I could do. I, I, was, I was to spend full time doing that. And for doing that, I didn't have to, they, they paid my bills so I didn't have to go out and, and have a job. I could spend full time equipping people and, and the saints for the ministry. I, I Doing everything God called me to do. There are some people that God calls into ministry like that. A whole lot of people are doing ministry as, as a uh, a pastor who has a job also supporting himself and, and he, he's doing the ministry. But what, whatever the, the financial deal is, it's all a matter, a matter of volunteerism. I, I volunteer to do what I do. Whether, and if I get paid for it, it's because the Lord is paying a bill for me. The Lord's taking care of something for me. But, but it, it, if you don't have the volunteerism, the money won't keep you in it because it, it, it's, it's all a matter of God working through you. But I, I guess I'm just trying to explain that that uh, God calls everyone in the church to do all seven of those things that Robert Morris put his finger on. Every one of us are, are, are to ourselves be saved, healed, set free, discipled, empowered, equipped, and serving. No wonder the pastor has to be full time. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of things to tend to. And and, and really working with the saints is the greatest joy in the whole world. And uh, I, I want us to be inspired with the joy of getting to volunteer our lives to, to do exactly what that list says. I, it's, it's my joy to, to with you, Lord, because of this, the great salvation that I experienced and the great work you're doing in my life. I want to give my life, Lord, to, to getting people saved and getting them uh, healed, healed of all their wounds and their bruises. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. He cares about people that are wounded and are hurting. He knows how to heal you in your heart. He knows how to heal you in your mind and your memory. He knows how to heal you and make you cure. And that's, that's what you get to be in the ministry doing, helping people get saved, help them get healed, help them get uh, uh, set free and delivered, help, helping them get discipled, helping people get empowered, tell, tell, talk to them. God, God gave us the Holy Spirit as a gift for the church. It's ours, every one of us. And, 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 then, and, and not only empowered, but equipped with, with the enablements that, that God, well, that, that's our job too. We want to volunteer helping people get equipped, helping people get equipped, and then help, helping people get to the place where we're all serving. That's kind of the ultimate place where we're all serving Christ. Like Jesus said after he washed his disciples' feet, on that night he was about to be arrested and crucified. 
He put on a servant's towel and he went around and washed the disciples' feet. And then he said to them, you, what you've seen me do for you, you do it for each other. And, and one time when they were arguing about leadership and who's the greatest, he said, hey, that's the way it is in the world. Leaders are the people who, who uh, just lord it over people. But it's not that way in this kingdom. The greatest leader is the one who serves the most. In the kingdom of God, he's called us to serve. And that's volunteerism. Let's get excited. Let's get to the core of our being. Let's, let's embrace this identity that God has given us, that we, get to, that we get to volunteer our lives and share this glorious salvation that he has poured into our lives. And, and you know what? The Lord will mature us more and more as we serve others, trying to help them experience what God has done in our lives as well. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope that the Lord has spoken something to you tonight that made you understand volunteerism just a little bit better. And you're excited, excited about growing in your, in your love of volunteerism. I wasn't preaching this message to try to fill any position or get anybody to volunteer more. I, I want you to understand what volunteerism is. Don't let the devil try to twist it for you and, and try, to, try to make it something that is not pleasurable because it's, it's the most exciting. It's all anchored in that joy of your salvation. Yeah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So I'm going to pray this prayer over you. Holy Spirit, we, we need you to help us stay clear-minded about the excitement of volunteering in Jesus' army. We want to celebrate this the great salvation that you've done in all the ways, the worship and every other way that, that you have given us to celebrate it. May we, may we be caught up just as Barnabas was, just as the Apostle Paul was caught up in, a, in the excitement of volunteerism. And, and Lord, how many numerous other people in the, in the New Testament could we use as examples that, that, that the excitement of their salvation thrust them into the, into the joyful living out their life and laying down their life as a volunteer to, to make disciples and to lead people into the salvation, into the wonderful experience that, that you have for all of us, to, to, for all of our lives, Lord. We commit ourselves tonight to grow and grow and grow as a church, as a church that, that loves volunteerism and loves allowing you to use us for your pleasure and for your glory. I pray over that, over this congregation for that, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Now what you do, you know, the most important of any message, most important part of any message, the greatest thing about it is what you do with it. What you do with it. What you do with it. What are you going to do with this message? Did the Lord teach you anything? Then, then go home and write it down and, and follow through on what you write down and, and, and ask the Lord to help to preserve it in your heart and make it fruitful. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I love you. Bless you, Ethan. Bless you, sir. Praise the Lord. I hear you're going to be helping out with the, all the bookkeeping stuff.